Today is September 16th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in and welcome back to the podcast that keeps the scriptures flowing and your spirit glowing. I'm your guide, but also your fellow traveling companion. And let me tell you, it is such a joy to be with you today. Now, in our travels today, we're going to go back into the valleys of Isaiah's prophecies, but over in Galatians, we'll start to make our ascent to bask in the light of the truth about how it is faith and grace that save us, not the law nor our works, and that the former construct the cornerstone of our relationship with God that is faith and grace. It is a love letter written not in stone, but in our hearts. And then in Psalm 60, it encapsulates our human fragility, our need for God to intervene, especially but not exclusively in times of desperation and defeat. And then Proverbs. Proverbs today is like a gentle pat on the shoulder, a hand on our back, a whisper in our ear saying, you're doing well, my child. You got this. Keep going. And let's keep it going right now as we flow into these verses, Isaiah chapters 22 through 24, Good News Translation, a message about Jerusalem. This is a message about the Valley of Vision. What is happening? Why are all the people of the city celebrating on the roofs of the houses? The whole city is in an uproar, filled with noise and excitement. Your people who died in this war did not die fighting. All your leaders ran away and were captured before they shot a single arrow. Now leave me alone to weep bitterly over all those of my people who have died. Don't try to comfort me. This is a time of panic, defeat, and confusion in the Valley of Vision, and the Sovereign Lord Almighty has sent it on us. The walls of our city have been battered down, and cries for help have echoed among the hills. The soldiers from the land of Elam came riding on horseback, armed with bows and arrows. Soldiers from the land of Kerr had their shields ready. The fertile valleys of Judah were filled with chariots. Soldiers on horseback stood in front of Jerusalem's gates. All of Judah's defenses crumbled. When that happened, you brought weapons out of the arsenal. You found the places where the walls of Jerusalem needed repair. You inspected all the houses in Jerusalem and tore some of them down to get stones to repair the city walls. In order to store water, you built a reservoir inside the city to hold the water flowing down from the old pool. But you paid no attention to God, who planned all this long ago and who caused it to happen. The Sovereign Lord Almighty was calling you then to weep and mourn, to shave your heads and wear sackcloth. Instead, you laughed and celebrated. You killed sheep and cattle to eat, and you drank wine. You said, we might as well eat and drink. Tomorrow we'll be dead. The Sovereign Lord Almighty himself spoke to me and said, This evil will never be forgiven them as long as they live. I, the Sovereign Lord Almighty, have spoken. A warning to Shebna. The Sovereign Lord Almighty told me to go to Shebna, the manager of the royal household, and say to him, Who do you think you are? What right do you have to carve a tomb for yourself out of the rocky hillside? You may be important, but the Lord will pick you up and throw you away. He will pick you up like a ball and throw you into a much larger country. You will die there beside the chariots you were so proud of. You are a disgrace to your master's household. The Lord will remove you from office and bring you down from your high position. The Lord said to Shebna, When that happens, 
I will send for my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will put your official robe and belt on him and give him all the authority you have had. He will be like a father to the people of Jerusalem and Judah. I will give him complete authority under the king, the descendant of David. He will have the keys of office. What he opens, no one will shut. And what he shuts, no one will open. I will fasten him firmly in place like a peg, and he will be a source of honor to his whole family. But all his relatives and dependents will become a burden to him. They will hang on him like pots and bowls hanging from a peg. When that happens, the peg that was firmly fastened will pull loose and fall. And that will be the end of everything that was hanging on it. The Lord has spoken. A message about Phoenicia. This is a message about Tyre. Howl with grief, you sailors out on the ocean. Your home port of Tyre has been destroyed. Its houses and its harbor are in ruins. As your ships return from Cyprus, you learn the news. Well, you merchants of Sidon, you sent agents across the sea to buy and sell the grain that grew in Egypt and to do business with all the nations. City of Sidon, you are disgraced. The sea and the great ocean depths disown you and say, I never had any children. I never raised sons or daughters. Even the Egyptians will be shocked and dismayed when they learn that Tyre has been destroyed. Howl with grief, you people of Phoenicia. Try to escape to Spain. Can this be the joyful city of Tyre founded so long ago? Is this the city that sent settlers across the sea to establish colonies? Who was it that planned to bring all this on Tyre, that imperial city whose merchant princes were the most honored men on earth? The Lord Almighty planned it. He planned it in order to put an end to their pride in what they had done and to humiliate their honored ones. Go and farm the land, you people in the colonies of Spain. There is no one to protect you anymore. The Lord has stretched out his hand over the sea and overthrown kingdoms. He has commanded that the Phoenician centers of commerce be destroyed. City of Sidon, your happiness has ended and your people are oppressed. Even if they escape to Cyprus, they will still not be safe. It was the Babylonians, not the Assyrians, who let the wild animals overrun Tyre. It was the Babylonians who put up siege towers, tore down the fortifications of Tyre, and left the city in ruins. Howl with grief, you sailors out on the ocean. The city you relied on has been destroyed. A time is coming when Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, the lifetime of a king. When those years are over, Tyre will be like the prostitute in the song. Take your harp, go round the town, you poor forgotten whore. Play and sing your songs again to bring men back once more. When the 70 years are over, the Lord will let Tyre go back to her old trade, and she will hire herself out to all the kingdoms of the world. The money she earns by commerce will be dedicated to the Lord. She will not store it away, but those who worship the Lord will use her money to buy the food and the clothing they need. The Lord will punish the earth. The Lord is going to devastate the earth and leave it desolate. He will twist the earth's surface and scatter its people. Everyone will meet the same fate. The priests and the people, slaves and masters, buyers and sellers, lenders and borrowers, rich and poor. The earth will lie shattered and ruined. The Lord has spoken and it will be done.
The earth dries up and withers. The whole world grows weak. Both earth and sky decay. The people have defiled the earth by breaking God's laws and by violating the covenant he made to last forever. So God has pronounced a curse on the earth. Its people are paying for what they have done. Fewer and fewer remain alive. The grape vines wither and wine is becoming scarce. Everyone who was once happy is now sad, and the joyful music of their harps and drums has ceased. There is no more happy singing over wine. No one enjoys its taste anymore. In the city, everything is in chaos, and people lock themselves in their houses for safety. People shout in the streets because there is no more wine. Happiness is gone forever. It has been banished from the land. The city is in ruins, and its gates have been broken down. This is what will happen in every nation all over the world. It will be like the end of harvest when the olives have been beaten off every tree and the last grapes picked from the vines. Those who survive will sing for joy. Those in the West will tell how great the Lord is, and those in the East will praise him. The people who live along the sea will praise the Lord, the God of Israel. From the most distant parts of the world, we will hear songs and praise of Israel, the righteous nation. But there is no hope for me. I am wasting away. Traitors continue to betray and their treachery grows worse and worse. Listen to me, everyone. There are terrors, pits, and traps waiting for you. Anyone who tries to escape from the terror will fall in a pit, and anyone who escapes from the pit will be caught in a trap. Torrents of rain will pour from the sky and the earth's foundations will shake. The earth will crack and shatter and split open. The earth itself will stagger like a drunk, sway like a hut in a storm. The world is weighed down by its sins. It will collapse and never rise again. A time is coming when the Lord will punish the powers above and the rulers of the earth. God will crowd kings together like prisoners in a pit. He will shut them in prison until the time of their punishment comes. The moon will grow dark and the sun will no longer shine. For the Lord Almighty will be king. He will rule in Jerusalem on Mount Zion and the leaders of the people will see his glory. Galatians chapter 2 verse 17 through chapter 3 verse 9. If then, as we try to be put right with God by our union with Christ, we are found to be sinners as much as the Gentiles are, does this mean that Christ is serving the cause of sin? By no means. If I start to rebuild the system of law that I tore down, then I show myself to be someone who breaks the law. So far as the law is concerned, however, I am dead, killed by the law itself, in order that I might live for God. I have been put to death with Christ on his cross, so that it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. This life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. I refuse to reject the grace of God. But if a person is put right with God through the law, it means that Christ died for nothing. Law or faith. You foolish Galatians, who put a spell on you? Before your very eyes, you had a clear description of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Tell me this one thing. Did you receive God's spirit by doing what the law requires or by hearing the gospel and believing it? How can you be so foolish? You began by God's spirit. Do you not want to finish by your own power? Did all your experience mean nothing at all? Surely it meant something. 
Does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you because you do what the law requires or because you hear the gospel and believe it? Consider the experience of Abraham. As the scripture says, he believed God and because of his faith, God accepted him as righteous. You should realize then that the real descendants of Abraham are the people who have faith. The scripture predicted that God would put the Gentiles right with himself through faith. And so the scripture announced the good news to Abraham. Through you, God will bless all people. Abraham believed and was blessed. So all who believe are blessed as he was. Psalm 60, a prayer for deliverance. You have rejected us, God, and defeated us. You have been angry with us, but now turn back to us. You have made the land tremble and you have cut it open. Now heal its wounds because it is falling apart. You have made your people suffer greatly. We stagger around us though we were drunk. You have warned those who have reverence for you so that they might escape destruction. Save us by your might. Answer our prayer so that the people you love may be rescued. From his sanctuary, God has said, In triumph I will divide Shechem and distribute Succoth Valley to my people. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh too. Ephraim is my helmet, and Judah my royal scepter. But I will use Moab as my washbowl, and I will throw my sandals on Edom, as a sign that I own it. Did the Philistines think they would shout in triumph over me? Who, O oh God, will take me into the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you really rejected us? Aren't you going to march out with our armies? Help us against the enemy. Human help is worthless. With God on our side, we will win. He will defeat our enemies. Proverbs 23 verses 15 and 16. My child, if you become wise, I will be very happy. I will be proud when I hear you speaking words of wisdom. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the wisdom and the wonder that you've shared with us today through your word. Lord, as we navigate the challenges of our lives, may the lessons that we've learned today from Isaiah, from Galatians, from Psalms and Proverbs guide our steps and form our decisions and shape our character. Lord, we pray for renewed energy, for the strength to cultivate good habits and for the courage to aspire for the best that you have in store for us. Lord, may we not settle for less than your best. And Lord, we thank you that you are on our side, always rooting for us to win, always cheering us on. May your grace flow in our lives like a river, nourishing us and all those around us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all the people of God said together, amen. And our affirmation for today in the embrace of his love, I am whole, I am healed, I am home. In the embrace of his love, I am whole, I am healed, I am home. And our aphorism, God's word is not just a mirror reflecting who we are, but a window revealing who we can be. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this extraordinary expedition with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.